Hey, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, we really are excited about this series. Like Jason said, what we're going to be doing over the semester is really diving into five aspects of who we are as men and what we are called to do, what God is calling each one of us to do and to be. And so last week, Drew talked about identity. We're going to be talking about our relationship with the church and, and just wellness, whether it be spiritual wellness and even physical, emotional wellness. We're going to be talking about our relationships with other people. We're going to be diving into five different aspects. And, and what we're going to be doing is the, the first week of each one, we're going to be doing a deep dive in terms of content of what the Bible says about this, this topic. And then the second week of each uh, session, we're going to be walking through a deeper application of what this means for us and how we can live this out on a daily basis. So our prayer and our hope is that after each of these two weeks that you'll be able to walk away with a very clear next step about what God is calling you to do in that area. So tonight we're going to continue our discussion on identity. Drew did a great job last week really unpacking who the Bible says that we are and who God created each one of us to be. Now, if you're here last week, uh, this will all be familiar, uh, and we want to go ahead and do some recap and make sure that you guys remember what we're talking about so that when we're around the table, we can really have some good conversation. Drew talked about four specific things last week in terms of biblical leadership of a man that God is calling us to do four things. First thing is to reject passivity. Second is to accept responsibility, to lead courageously, and to expect the greater reward, God's reward. You know, there's a lot of confusion today about what it means to be a man. And some people look at certain aspects of maybe athleticism or maybe it's success in the workplace or whatever it is. There's a lot of different definitions people would have today about what it means to be a man. And what Drew reminded us of last week is it's so important when we want to know what it means to be a man is to go back to the original source. So I want you to listen to this quick clip of something that Drew said yesterday, uh, last week, and then we're going to jump into a table talk in just a minute. To go back to the blueprints, and I just want to encourage you. Listen, men, if you get Genesis one, two, and three nailed down, you're going to have a much better opportunity to have a start of being a biblical manhood. You know, if you really want to find out what something's made of, you go back to the original blueprints, not what culture has made manhood. So, right out of the bat, you see that God created us in his own image. So uh, the Bible talks about Genesis one twenty seven that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created us with a very specific purpose and in his own image. As we look at that, I want you guys to, to go back around your table and based on what you remember about last week and even just understanding what Genesis one twenty seven talks about, just ask yourselves this question. Uh, when you look at the what it means to be a man, what makes Christian men who they are? So in every aspect of your life, what makes a Christian man who they are? What is it that should define you as a Christian man? We'll take about four or five minutes and we'll come back. All right, I want to hear what some of you guys have talked around the table. Uh, and this is obviously a big room and some of us have loud voices, but microphones always help. So Josiah's got a little blue box uh, that is a microphone. So raise your hand if you have something that you heard at your table that you think would be great to share. And he's going to see if he can get that box to you. It is a throw mic. And so we should have a little bit of fun here uh, and see if we can not take anybody out. So who wants to go? Anybody hear anything cool at their table that they think would be great to discuss and share with the group? If not, he's just going to throw it at a table. Over here, Josiah. You got to throw it or punt it. All right. I usually get these wrong, so I'm, I'm, feel free to laugh. But I, we were talking about who you hang out with, 
you know, what makes Christian men who they are is who they're hanging out with. Yeah, uh, that's a great, great uh, insight in terms of, yeah, who, we're, who we hang out with, who we're around, obviously shapes who we become in the future. Who else? What, what makes Christian men who they are? What, what, what is it that signifies it? Over here, Josiah. Nice. Landed right there. I wasn't here last week, but, and it wasn't even me that said it. It was somebody else at the table, but it uh, meant a lot. Who they are is uh, who they are in their home. What kind of father and husband are they uh, in their home? So. Yeah, exactly. We've all heard the, the quote that integrity is who we are when nobody is looking. And so, yeah, who you are at home is a, is a great indicator of who we really are. Here we go. We uh, said uh, being a Christian man is about a relationship, you know, with the Lord, just having a relationship with him, being an image bearer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, building, basing it on that relationship with the Lord. Anybody else? Right up here front. It's a good throw. It's a good catch. The Holy Spirit is what makes Christian men who they are. Yeah. You need the Spirit of Christ in you in order to uh, emulate him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that spirit living inside of us. Let's do one more. Multiple things, but to piggyback on what he said about the emulation of Christ. Um, selfless. Uh, they are leaders. They are humble in servanthood and followers of Christ. They welcome sanctification of themselves. They train the next generation, sanctifying them. And they follow the word of God regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, those are all, all great all great things. And obviously when we look at the blueprint of Scripture, those are all things that we see that the, the Bible teaches us of who we are and who we're meant to be and who God created us to be. But I don't know about you. But there, I think you know it's obviously important to, to find that blueprint. But having a blueprint doesn't necessarily mean that you know what to do with it. A lot of times you get a blueprint of something. You, you can, I can... Before each of you, I can put a blueprint of your of the vehicle you drove in here tonight or of the house that, that you're going to go home to tonight. And just because you see that blueprint, you might get a good understanding of what it was meant to be and how it originally was. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can go and build it yourself and that you can go and do it. So over the last five or six years, uh, I am incredibly cheap. Uh, and so over the last five or six years, I've done all the repairs on my car. Uh, and I usually do really well. And it's really nice of them to always include a couple extra screws in the box. And, and, uh, but Hey, I still got here tonight. So apparently they weren't important anyway, but to me, if I look at a blueprint in my vehicle, uh, I'll get an understanding of, okay, this is where, this is where the alternator is. This is where the starter is, but that doesn't necessarily always help me know how to replace it and how I'm supposed to interact with it. And so for me, uh, the ability that I've done all the repairs to my car has zero to do with me and my ability to be a good mechanic and everything to do with YouTube. Uh, because I don't know if you know it, but you can go on YouTube and you can find your exact car, somebody replacing the exact part that you want to replace step by step. And so I'm always over there and watching the clip like the same five seconds like over and over again. And, and they say, hey, this is a 15-minute job. And I'm in, out there 15 hours later trying to, to figure out how I can even get started uh, and so I got to the point one time where I, I replaced the starter, uh, and then it was my battery that was bad. And so I had to, uh, that, that was a bummer, but I got really good at replacing uh, starters in Toyota CNS. But all that to say is that sometimes we need an example. We need a model that can be placed before us. We can understand the blueprint, but we need that model, that example that we can follow. 
Drew talked last week about there's a pattern in scripture that God gives us in terms of leadership and authority and submission. So I want you to listen to this uh, audio clip uh, of, of Drew talking about the order of submission and the example that we're given as men how to lead and where that example comes from. And in just a minute, we'll talk about some of this around the table. To lead and be all that God intended you to be, you've got to get the structure by which you function. This, this scripture really, man, this was a big turnaround for me. Let me just show. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. And the man is the head of the woman. And God is the head of Christ. Now, you just think about this for a minute. When Christ was here on earth, who was Christ's helper? Who did he look to? God, right? God met the needs of Christ while he was here on earth. So he was the head. He looked, he spent time with his father. And, and the scriptures say that God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of who? Man. What does Christ do for us? He meets our needs. He's our helper. The man is the head of the woman. Now, here's what I want you to see. If you're married, and even if you're not, I'm responsible as, according to Scripture, the head of my wife. And what do I need to do? I need to be what Christ is to me, the same to my wife. See what I'm saying? I'm there to accept the responsibility, lead courageously, to meet her needs. If she's got a problem, I need to pay attention. Because why? I'm responsible. And I should be. We don't look at it like that. And we forget. But here's the structure. God set it up. Now, we can... Culture is not saying that. But I'm telling you, it's clear in Scripture Things are set up different. And if you want to try to run it different in your home, let me tell you what follows that. Chaos. Chaos. So Drew there talks about, and and obviously pointing out what Scripture says, is that there has been a pattern set aside in terms of uh, an order of submission, uh, levels of, of authority in terms of how we're supposed to lead. And we are supposed to be submitted to Christ who, is, who has submitted himself to God the Father. And, and not only do we get the example of watching Christ submit himself to God the Father, but then we also have the example of how Christ then leads us. And, and we, out of that, are meant to then lead other people. And so I want you to talk around your, around your table and, and answer this question. In what ways, we're going to look at that first level between God and Christ. In what ways did Christ set the example by coming under submission? And so if you need, uh, if you run out of things to talk about, Philippians 2 is a great place to go and to, and to read about that submission. But what does it look like? In what ways did Christ set the example for us by coming under submission? Go ahead and talk for a few minutes and then we'll throw the mic around. All right, I want to hear what you guys are talking about. So if you, if you said something incredibly profound or you heard something incredibly profound or just overall pretty good, raise your hand. Let's get this mic over to you. And... Uh, and let's hear what you guys are talking about. What examples do we have in the way that Christ submitted? So we got one over here. 
Josiah, I want you to take less steps next oh, time. Man, I want to see the power me. of that arm. <laughs> All right. One thing that we talked about was Christ's sense of mission. You know, throughout his life, you know, he never lost sight of why he came. And even when somebody tried to define the mission for him, you know, Peter, as an example, he was very much faithful to what God's mission God had in his life. So for us as men, the same commitment to the mission that Christ had, that God had put in his life, we should have that same sense of mission to our wife, to our children, to our church, and most important, to God and to his will. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little later too, just in terms of Sometimes you may not feel like making the next step that's right or it's just a little hard, but keeping that mission in mind is a great way in order to keep yourself on the right track. Anybody else? Here we go, right here. Touchdown, baby. Touchdown. Okay, here we go. We had a lot of good examples. Um, two, that stood out, two that stand out with me is um, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is being tempted by Satan, and he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And also when Jesus was, um, I think he was 12 years old, and Joseph and Mary and Jesus were, um, Jesus had gone back, he was at the temple, and he's talking to the leaders, and Joseph and Mary come back, and they've been looking for him, and they're scared. And um, Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. Yeah. Those are great examples. Yeah, keeping that as the top priority. So that was his, the way he submitted was by not neglecting uh, spending time with his father. That's great. Let's do one more. Somewhere over here. I'm feeling something over here. I felt like there was some good conversation that happened. Yes, yeah, let's do, we'll hit you guys both. So let's go here and then to the front. Well, when that sentence was read, you know, the example by coming under submission, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, let your will be done. Yeah. Uh, he knew he was fixing to be crucified. You know, he said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? But he still came under submission to the Father and did the will of the Father. And that's what we've got to learn to do is come under submission to the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, not my will, but yours be done. Great example. We'll do the last one right here. Uh, in similar regards, but we were we the first thing we did speak of was the Garden of Gethsemane and how, you know, like if Father, if you can't take this cup from me, that's kind of how we ought to do um, each day. Like I don't want to go do the laundry, <laughs> Father, if you can't take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done, right? It's how we should do it. It's kind of a bigger cup he took, right? But regardless, everything thing we do in life should be in the same aspect. That was a great example. And another one we heard was that he even came in the first place. Like he decided while we were still enemies with him, while we were still sinners, to even step foot off his throne, take on the clothing of man, yeah. and then humble himself to submission to the cross. Like he knew what he was doing before he ever even created us yeah and still chose to do it out of love yeah that's awesome yeah and philippians 2 talks about that he did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped 
So even though he was in heaven equal with God, he willingly came underneath that submission. And such a great example to us. Sometimes we may not feel like it. Sometimes we might think there's a, a, a better way. Sometimes we might, whatever. But choosing, like you said, not my will, but yours. And like all you guys have been talking about, choosing to take that step of obedience and keeping that mission of why he's here, number one, and not letting that get in the way. Hey, I want you to hear from uh, a guy who's, uh, you, most of you guys will know, Michael Pritchard. So uh, Jason and Derek and I were, we're talking about what it looks like. Uh, so we just talked about, you know, God to Christ, that submission. Now we're going to really turn and talk about Christ to man and what that looks like. And as we talked about, hey, who would be the best person for us to talk to? Uh, Michael's name came up almost immediately in terms of somebody that would be able to uh, be a great model and be a great person to even just dialogue in this about what it looks like between that relationship and that leadership from Christ to man. So Jason's going to take a few minutes uh, and they're going to have this uh, conversation. Then we'll send it back to the tables. All right. Hey, let's welcome Michael Pritchard. Some of y'all might know Michael's story. If you don't, I encourage you to uh, ask him about it sometime. But it's great to have you back up here. Well, it's been a while since I've been on one of these stages. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Michael was our fourth and fifth grade pastor and and um, preached three times a week, four times a week. Uh, so, but it's good to have you. I want to start just, uh, I want to ask you the same question that we talked about here at the table um, as we talk about that that transition to Christ to man. So in, from what you understand or what you think, what does make a Christian man who they are? You know, as I've thought about that question this this past day or so, really what I think defines what a Christian man is, is what he does with this book right here. Uh, I believe that we as men, especially in this room, you're here at church, you're here, you, you say that you follow God's Word and you believe this is God's Word, but we are all faced with those choices. When life gets interesting, when life gets hard, when we don't know what we're supposed to do, do we follow the instructions that are in this book or not? And you know, for all of us men, we've been called to lead. We've been called, you know, immediately to lead in our families. So where does, where does that rub come sometimes with our faith and what the Lord's calling us to do? It's in how do we provide for our families. How many of you have ever had that question before? How am I supposed to provide for my family? I'm living that right now. A year ago, I made the decision to step away from my career for the good of my family. I put everything on pause because I believe that the Lord gave me some, some promises from his word. But the question is, how do we eat? How do we live? How do I provide uh, shelter for my family? Well, thankfully, God's word tells me that. And I believe this is where, as, as Christian men, we, we have to decide, do we believe God's word is true? And Jesus himself knows that I would have those questions, that you would have those questions. And he even talked about, should we worry about what we should eat or how we should live or what clothes we would wear? And he said in Matthew 6, 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Well, how do we know how to seek the kingdom of God? through his inspired word. And so every time I believe a Christian man is faced with 
what should I do, then his life should be defined by whether he goes to God's word and finds that answer. And then here's the kicker, actually does it, whether it is easy or hard. And often what I found in my life in these last 20 years is when we do what God's word says, everything doesn't always work out okay. Sometimes life is even harder because we have followed God's directions than if we had chosen to ignore it. So I think a lot of what, who we're defined by as Christian men is are we reading and following what God's Word says? Yeah, that's great. So here's my next question that goes right into that. What does it look like practically then for Christ to lead you personally? What does that look like for you? Yeah, for me... Uh, it's been a journey, at least of 20 years, of deciding whether I would start my day in God's Word. Uh, I'm a journaler, so I'm a writer. Uh, I love to put words on paper, and so uh, I've been journaling now for 15 years, 16 years, and my journal used to be filled with all of these proclamations of what's wrong with me, why can't I start the day off with the Lord, I'm a horrible Christian, right? And, you know, and I think probably many of us have felt that way over time, uh, but over the years, I've had to make the decision that I will get up every morning before the entire rest of my family. I've got two boys. It's the only quiet time of the day. Uh, and so I get up, the house is quiet. I pull out uh, two things. I pull out my computer and I pull out my Bible. And I'm, I read through the Bible. I've got the one-year reading plan that I go through. And so I spend the next 45 minutes to an hour, typically, uh, where I will journal out the events of the day. I process the things that have happened and then I write out prayers concerning those things, and I tell God where I need Him, and I read His Word. And then when I read His Word, and if there is a passage that sticks out, I write out that passage or verse, and then I write out what the Lord is saying, and then often I will write out just praying that passage, uh, like our pastor talks about, just kind of reframing the verse, but you know, praying it for yourself and then actually praying that. And so I have a record of all of what the Lord has done in the last 15 to 20 years. But it's often in those big decisions, those times when you reach a point where you're like, what in the world am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to handle this at work? Or we've been offered a job in a whole nother, you know, state. Or how am I supposed to, where do I send my kids to school? All of those types of things. And I've, been, I've gone through many of those situations and I believe as a Christian man that the Lord will give you his directions. But we can't go to him at the last second and go, God, what am I supposed to do? I want to do what you're supposed to, what you want me to do, but you know, I got 10 minutes to make this decision. I believe the Lord will confirm his direction if you spend time seeking him in four ways. And a year ago, I went through this process before we made the decision to step away. And I believe that if you spend time first praying, asking the Lord, what am I supposed to do? Lead me through your spirit. Show me how I'm supposed to follow you. He will give you direction. But on top of that, continue to read God's word. Sometimes when we are faced with a decision, we're like, what am I supposed to do? So we just want to open God's word and find whatever will fit to our situation, right? I've been there. I've done that. 
I continue, though, daily to keep reading through my plan. So if the next day I'm supposed to read these passages, I keep reading that. And I keep reading day after day until the Lord begins to show me different things about my situation. But then on top of that, examine your circumstances. Look at what's going on. Look at what the Lord is doing outside of your family. Look at what he's doing with your wife or with your children or with your job. All of those things and examine what's going on as it relates to your decision and write those things down. And then last of all, getting wise counsel. Talk with another godly man. Let them in on what you're trying to decide. And if you spend time doing that process, I believe that the Lord will confirm his direction each and every time. I have in my Bible, I keep it here. These are all the passages that I believe the Lord gave me back in October 2020 as it related to my decision. I believe he gave us promises. I believe in our prayers, he guided us through our spirit. We examined our circumstances and we sought wise counsel. And not one time in this last year, even when things have gotten hard and things were uncertain, not once have I ever looked back and said, oh my goodness, what, has, what have we done? Because the Lord confirmed his promises over and over and over this last year. He has confirmed all of these promises, even as we're still waiting for some of them as well. And that's what it looks like for me on a daily basis. Every uh, many days after I've spent my time with the Lord, then I go in with Christy and we begin and we talk and then we pray together and then we start the day off with our boys after that. It's good. Thanks for walking us through that. And it's a good model there and something for you guys out there. If you don't have a time like that, encourage you try something. It doesn't have to be 45 minutes. No, uh, not at all. That's right, for sure. All right, we want to we turn it to you guys again now, and we want to ask that question and let y'all talk a little, a little bit about it, and then we'll hear some of your answers. What does it practically look like for Christ to lead you personally? All right, so answer that. We'll take a few minutes, and then we'll come back and hear from you. Go ahead. All right, let's hear what you guys were talking about at your table. So the question is, what does it look like for you to be practically and personally led by Christ. So what does that look like for you guys? Josiah's got the mic back there. I told him he's not allowed to move his feet from right there. I wanted to throw it from right there. Do we have anyone? Right there. Uh, uh, God was be cursed. Now, Papa Paul, we have discourses, discourses, should be and man's. All right. Who else? Well, I share with my uh, group. Uh, one of my favorite scripture verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, it, I call it a command with a promise. And the command is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And the promise is, He will direct your paths. So I think that's what we have to do as men is give up our will, give, lean not on our own understanding. We always have ideas and things, 
But we have to pray and ask the Lord to give us wisdom to know the way he'd have us to go. Yeah, that's great. And then you even look back at the example that Christ gave us in his submission to God in the garden, like we talked about earlier. Hey, if there's any other way, you know, even in that moment, the flesh of Christ was wanting a different way and didn't want this to be the way, but he was willingly submitting himself to that, knowing that the father knew best uh, in that moment and would submit himself to that. Let's see, let's go one more. Anybody over here or anywhere? Right up front. Do it, Josiah. You can't expect Christ to lead what doesn't want to be led. So practically, for Christ to lead you personally, you have to submit to him, and you have to be doing what he would expect you to be doing. That includes reading scripture every day. That includes the prayer. That includes seeking his will, finding out what his will is. Um, you know, you can't, for a personal relationship Christ to happen, he's not going to force it on you. So I know every guy's answer would sound different. Well, practically and personally to me in my life, my life is different from this guy's life, is different from that guy's life. But every one of them boils down to the same roots. Like, are you doing what he said to do? Are you reading your scriptures to get to know who he is? Are you conversing with him on a day-to-day basis to ask him what you should do? So it, it to me, and a lot of what we spoke about was it, it boils down to um, submitting to his will and actually getting in his word to learn who he is and, and let him lead you. Yeah, it's just being faithful to do the things that we know to do. Being faithful, like Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, I've heard it said before that a, a great description of following Jesus in the Christian life is simply this. It's a long obedience in the same direction. So it's not about this one major step you're going to take this week or whatever it is. It's what steps are you taking every day, the small, simple steps of obedience every single day for a long time, for the lifetime. And that's what really makes us uh, who we're supposed to be in Christ. Hey, we're going to switch one last section, and I'm going to go ahead and ask uh, Phil Powers and uh, Jeremy Wilbur to join me up here. Uh, and we're in just a minute going to uh, ask them two questions. But as we get up to that moment, uh, the last thing we want to talk about is, you know, we talked about God leading Christ, Christ leading man. And now it's our turn, man leading other people. And we asked you guys to write down some questions last week. And, and one of the uh, consistent uh, group of questions that we got was, hey, how do I fight passivity? How do I fight through the, the urge of, I know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't know how to do it. I don't know. Uh, I just don't feel like doing it. So before uh, these guys come up and we talk, I want you to listen to this soundbite from last week, something that Drew said about how we are to lead through our feelings. Guys, <laughs> don't be passive. Just don't be passive. I'm just reminding you. Accept your responsibility. You're going to have these feelings, and you can't always lead courageously by your feelings. Okay? Feelings are good. Men don't handle feelings well, right? Some of us don't. What do we do with feelings? Mm. Especially if they're a negative or a negative thought or something, you know, we've got a wound or a you know, we we just we don't like to deal with that. I mean, how many times those of us that are married and your wife's crying and she's looking at you and you're going, 
I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> I'm just going to try to remain interested, okay? Uh, but to lead courageously, you gotta you gotta get in that. You gotta you gotta die to yourself and give it a shot, or be praying, Lord, help me understand. But you can't lead courageously if you're gonna lead all the time by feelings. Yeah, I once heard Dr. Rogers say here that the, our feelings, they're important, but they're really the shallowest part of our being uh, in terms of how we interact, in terms of what we should obeying, being, obeying and listening to. You know, the, the feelings that we have really are a really shallow aspect of, of who we are a lot of times. And I know for me, at the end of the day, I'll be here at the church and I'll, I'll be working. And I've got four kids, uh, five, three, and then twin two-year-olds. Um, and so uh, when I leave and go home, it is action-packed. Uh, and right now my kids are in a, in a rhythm of thinking it's funny to not go to bed before midnight. Uh, and so it's hilarious. You should come over sometime and, and really experience it with me. Uh, but for me, uh, it's, it's that, that struggle of, you know, sometimes, sometimes you, you just get home and, and you don't want to, you don't want to deal with that. You've dealt with stuff all day. So I'll ask this question to the two of you. What ways practically just in your life do you find that passivity creeping in and what are aspects and areas of your life where, you just struggle sometimes with the temptation to be passive in a situation in your leadership. Go ahead. I'm too passive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll say uh, when, when I was asked to do this, I, I made the mistake of, of asking my wife, hey, is there any way that, uh, that I'm passive at home in the way that I lead uh, as a dad? And I say I made a mistake, but in some ways it was, it was good to hear, right? And she said, well, she said, I feel like you do pretty good. She said, but I'll be honest with you, when it comes to, to discipline, I have three young girls. Uh, she said, sometimes I feel like that, that you are very passive when it comes to discipline. You, you say a lot of threats, but you're not willing to get out your chair. You're not willing to stop watching the football game uh, to discipline. Uh, and part of me was, you know, like, okay, is she kidding? Uh, but also it's like, man, that hurts. But I also know that's reality, right? You know, you think of another word for passive, it's, it's being idle. And if I'm not careful, right, I see my kids doing something. I know I need to respond, but man, I'm comfortable, right? I've, I've had a long day or, hey, this is, this is Saturday. This is my day to enjoy what I want to do, right? I don't, have to, I don't have a staff to lead or I don't have this, like, let me do my thing. Um, but man, that creeps in and next thing you know, I'm not being the discipline. And I think I'm, I'm doing what is good for me, but in some ways I'm not, I'm not loving on my kids well, right? I'm not pursuing being the dad that, that I've been called to do. Yeah, I, I kind of paint uh, bookends, if you will. One side's passive, and then the other end is what? What? Aggressive. Okay. Well, so I'm I'm somewhere in the middle. I kind of use the example, uh, you know, with kids. My kids are all grown. Ah, it's awesome. Um, but you don't die on every hill. Okay, so it's not that I'm always aggressive or I'm always passive. I was always tried to be, uh, I would die on the hill if I had to. You know, I, y'all probably, if you have more than one kid, you found out they're all different. Um, my my oldest, I remember I could just look at her and she was corrected. Then my second one, I could hit him with a two by four on the head. Wouldn't be, you know, it, he, w- he wouldn't phase him, right? So the real idea is, in talking to Wendy, my wife, I said, she would say, most of, a lot of times I wouldn't say anything. But then when I did, she knew it was important, okay? 
So my encouragement would be not to die on every hill, but just remember, if there are no hills you're dying on, then you're not right. And I'll just add to one thing. You know, I think sometimes even in being idle in workplace or being a dad, you know, sometimes like, man, I'm kind of passive because I I want them to know I love them. I care for them, right? I don't want to be that aggressor. But I think sometimes by by, uh, being passive, we're actually not loving on them. Right. And, and, and demonstrating the love uh, of the father. So in some ways, even though we convince ourselves, hey, they'll love me more. Right. If, if I'm idle, if I'm passive, if I don't deal with that situation. Uh, but in a lot of ways, they're actually they need that love from us. They need that discipline, that direction uh, in their lives. But I think it, uh, being passive all the time is actually a detriment to your wife as well, because they're like or not, they're looking for you to lead. And um, if you don't ever do that, they feel like they have to do it every time. So, uh, I mean, take a load off of them. Step up and do it when you should. Again, it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's uh, 50-50 every time. You stand up 50% of the times. So it's stand up when it's important. And I think God will direct you. And he's given us that instinct as men, uh, especially in the society we live in right now. When you identify something as being wrong, then you need to, you need to step up because a lot of times your your uh, your wife won't see it and you won't see it the same way. So I encourage you when God puts that in you, he did it for. Yeah, Jeremy, I'll tell him myself. Uh, I can't tell you how many times this is what's said in my house. I'll be like, hey, if you don't stop that right now, I'm, I'm going to count to five or I'm going to spank you. One, two, three, four. Or I'm going to count to five. If you do not stop, I'm going to spank you. One, two, three. For 4.1, 4.2, I'm just like, I do not, I thought this was going to work, and they're calling my bluff, and and then I, I end up having to uh, get up, and and then they usually do something silly, and, and it all works out. But It's always it's always that one that's the, you, you've got the one that, you know, just goes all I've got the, the one, end, for right? sure. So so practically, real quick before we, we'll wrap up here. So we, we, we all struggle at times with this passivity and we're tired. Whatever it is, we just at times, we want to watch the game. We want to just relax. We want to not have to make a decision. You know, we talk, some people will talk about decision fatigue. And, and you make so many decisions sometimes at work and during the day and you get home, you just want to, you just want to relax. So what is it that, would, that helps you and, and what practical steps do you take in order to push through the passivity uh, in order to make the right decision, what you the, do to do the things that you know that you need to do, even when you don't feel like doing it. Let me go, eh? Okay. Well, the very first thing is I I, re, I usually come in and I I notice the atmosphere. Okay, and you can tell if the atmosphere has changed. You know, you come, the the day was sunny. You drove in. You walk inside, and all of a sudden. It's at least partly cloudy. There's not much sun. Okay, so you sense what's going on, and when you sense that, the worst thing you do is ignore it. Okay, as a young guy, I could ignore that. Right now, it's like I don't know if I've got a better sensor or whatever, but I, I recognize that. So as soon as you sense there's an issue, then you just need to step up. It, you know, think about it. Whatever decision you're making at work. In 15 years, it won't matter. But if it's a decision about one of the kids, it will matter. Okay, so you just have to remember that that's the, the main thing. 
Yeah, and I'll say, you know, for me, and, and somebody kind of gave me this advice you've probably heard, but, you know, mine's a little bit tough from uh, my wife actually uh, works for, uh, for me, and so we work together uh, in, in the ministry, right? And, and so uh, it can be hard, but, you know, somebody told me, like, and the reality of it is, like, I have to train myself to where when my, when my work day is over, right? Like first and foremost, my job is to leave my family well, right? That's what, that's what God's called me to do. And so a discipline that I've tried to put in place, I fell a lot. Um, but if I've had one of those days that I know, man, when I get home, I re- I don't want to have to deal with anything, right? I, I just want to sit in my chair and do my thing. I ultimately, I pick up a phone and I'll call somebody in a roundabout way for the 30 minute drive home or whatever, and just kind of get everything off my chest that I've had frustration with. So then when I get home, right? There's no frustration from the job that enters in, right? And I can actually be the dad. I can be the husband uh, that God has called me to be and not sit and be passive because I just dealt with a bunch of work and I don't want to deal with more. Instead, man, work's done. And I've had to discipline myself and I still don't do well, but that's one thing that I've done to discipline myself to get rid of work, right? Get rid of whatever took place at home and be all in when I get to my house. Yeah, those are great. And, and for me personally, one thing I've I've learned is that when I sense that passivity starting to creep in, uh, I need to start taking a real close look at my walk with the Lord. Uh, am, am I allowing him to lead me, to fill me up, or am I trying to get home and to lead my family out of my own power? Because if I'm trying to do it out of my own power and my own strength, it, there's nothing there and it, it runs out quick. But when we go to the Lord, he really fills us up. And I think that's a really a great indicator. A lot of times that passivity is, all right, am I, am I being led the way that I need to be led in order to lead my family the way I'm called to lead my family? So we're going to turn it back to the tables. Thank you guys for, for joining us and for, for your wisdom and your, your insight. We're going to end it here at the table. So we're going to ask this question. We asked a question a lot last semester. It's simply this, what is your next step? So what did you hear tonight? that you took away, something that stuck out to you, something that you said, you know, I've not thought of it that way before, or the, the Lord just really convicted me that this is an area where I really need to start paying more attention. So discuss around your table, what is your next step on your, on your note sheet? There's a little box at the bottom, my next step. Just go ahead and jot it down and, and make a commitment that this week you are going to do whatever the Lord told you to do uh, tonight. So when you guys are done, go ahead and have somebody pray around your table and we'll see you guys next week.